<laughs> Welcome back to Between Sets, everybody. I'm your host, Ty Patterson. I'm here with Timothy Walkett. That's me. What's up? Yeah. And we are joined by Kyle Arum. Nailed it, son. Arum. Thanks, Rob. Arum. <laughs> Arum. <laughs> yeah. It's four it letters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as soon as you said air and then rum, I was like, I'm just going to do that. I feel like you have to make it flow better. Arum. Yeah. Arum. Yeah. Otherwise, people will go Aram. Aram. Yeah. Actually, should I say Dr. Kyle? Do you make people call you doctor now? Uh, I wouldn't say make. Uh, um, but you like it when people do that. I... Not even only in <laughs> only in a clinic, <laughs> a clinic setting. I I do yeah, uh, outside yeah, of yeah. outside of the clinic. Like I'll say, and I usually just go by Doctor Kyle. Okay, it's I don't know. I going out. It's not a, you know. There's no rules of how how you go about it. But I thought that just because it'd be easier. And a lot of a lot of uh, like health professionals do that now too. Even MDs I find are, you know, doctor first name. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Just because it's easier. And it's some people say it's more personable too. So, I think so. Yeah, the last sense. name's too. Yeah, it's kind of. It's it's supposed to be a therapeutic relationship. So if it's too exactly. far off, you're like, it's weird. I don't like. You don't know who they are. Yeah. Like if you yeah. could be like, no, it's Doctor Kyle. It's fine. Like or whatever. Or if they just called you Kyle, you wouldn't. You're not gonna be like, it's Doctor Kyle. No, not at <laughs> no, all. Okay. Even when people do it in <laughs> clinic, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, whatever. It's it's definitely not something that's worth yeah. correcting. Right. Yeah. I short I short form everybody's name. Like even my own. Like I expect everyone to call me Ty and then when someone calls me Tyler it sounds really formal it's almost like I'm in trouble and I'm like ooh, wait a minute like is everything okay but uh, yeah uh, introduce yourself more that we can't introduce yourself introduce, um, yeah. sure so um, <laughs> Dr. Kyle uh, born and raised in Guelph um, I did my undergrad uh, in Guelph as well took biomedical science at the University of Guelph nice. um, and then from there Originally, with my relationship with my chiropractor in Guelph at the time, I kind of, I didn't really know where I wanted to go. You know, a lot of people were thinking med school. I was thinking that. I actually had my MCATs booked. Oh, yeah. I uh, was working at the time and just was too lazy. Didn't get around to studying for it. Canceled it. Um, but then through my own personal injuries and dealing with that with my chiropractor, I was like, oh, this is kind of neat. Like, you know, I'm meeting different people every day. I'm not sitting at a desk. Um, you know, always have loved sports, loved exercising. So I was like, this, this seems something I might be interested in. So um, applied for CMCC, the Canadian Memorial Chiropractic College in Toronto nice. and got in. And then the rest is sort of history. Spent uh, four years there <clears throat> um, in North York where the college is and then decided to make my way back to Guelph um, where I'm currently working now at uh, Active Therapeutic Solutions, and then also at a clinic in downtown Fergus at Shift Family Health Center. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, man. What's, uh, what sparked your, like, this is kind of a typical question, but what sparked your journey of wanting to become a chiropractor? Or, like, becoming a doctor of some kind, right, I guess? Yeah. Um, you know, in high school, I mean, I, you really don't know. Like, you're a kid. You don't even know. Like, my grandpa always says, you don't even know what job you're going to have because it's probably hasn't even been invented yet, right? Yeah. Especially in today, like, all these te technological jobs, like, yeah. you know, they're they're popping up left, right, and center. Yeah. Um, but for me, like I said, it was, I used to do a lot of, like, downhill mountain biking and stuff like that. Had a bad crash, messed up my back, my hips, um, and then went to a chiropractor in Guelph, and then got got some relief with that Thanks. and just with my um, background of playing sports and going to the gym it's always 
you know, I, I knew I didn't want a job where I'm just sitting down every day. Right. Um, I wanted to be f- moving around, um, you know, doing something new, exciting, continually learning all the time. So that kind of that kind of sparked my interest in it. Um, and just my relationship with my chiropractor at the time. He's a really, really cool guy. We had a lot in common. And uh, he was kind of my mentor to begin with. Nice. Yeah. It's not surprising that people have these... Like these type of experiences that make you want to be a healthcare provider of some kind. Like I had a trainer when I played hockey and he knew the body really well and he showed us how to move differently and he showed us like different stretches and like how to strengthen X, Y, Z. And I was like, it's pretty cool. And then I wanted to help people. So it kind of just went hand in hand where I was like, the body's super interesting. It's the only thing I sort of know about. And then my mom was like, you should try massage because Physio was in my future, but going to university and studying for six years was not what I really wanted to do. Mom was like, you can't sit still. Like, you're not going to sit there and study. And whereas in massage class, it was very, very hands-on, less of the actual, like, like, the formal class setting. So that was nice, but it's cool that everyone always has that little experience that makes them want to do something. And I've never really heard, I've only heard a couple of people go, because I was hurt once, I saw this person, and it made me want to be that person. Like, you had a really good relationship with your chiropractor, so it yeah. kind of maybe sparked that, like, oh, maybe I want to do this as well. It's kind of cool, too, if you look at it like the your situation could be fostered by a relationship that you have with another uh, patient in the future, right? Where, like, you could inspire someone else to get oh, into the profession yeah. Yeah. just through, like, a positive interaction with you. Yeah, I get, cool. I get people... Um, you know, friends of a friend will say, oh, yeah, and like, uh, you know, my, my buddy, Dr. Kyle, he's a, he's a chiropractor in Guelph. And they'll be like, oh, that's really neat. Like, I, you know, I'm potentially interested in that. I'm finishing up my undergrad um, in something, you know, HK or science related. And then they'll reach out. I get people message me on Facebook or Instagram mm-hmm. who are debating whether it's a good career path for them. And so I get people that reach out all the time and kind of give them my my honest thoughts. Um so yeah, the the biggest thing for me going into it was uh, the duration, right? It, it is it is yeah. a long haul. You're finishing, you know, uh, for your undergrad, and then you're like, okay, you're you know you're applying for chiropractic college. This is a lot of money. This is a lot of time commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, is this what I want to do for the next four years of my life? Um, but I did it. Yeah. So um, it was yeah. I don't think I could do another like even at the end of chiropractic college. You have the option to do further residencies in sports or radiology, orthopedic, um, clinical, I forget what the other ones might be. Um, but I mean, at that stage, eight years of, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of hands on towards the end of yeah. chiropractic college, but it's like, just, I don't think I could do another day sitting in a lecture hall for eight hours. Couldn't yeah. do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our, um, Tyler Morrow is our, he writes blogs for us and hopefully one day in the future, he'll be, uh, He'll be a chiropractor with Modus, but he's at he's at CMCC right now, nice. and same thing where he's like it's a lot of work, it's a lot of time. He's a pretty active dude as well, and he was always in the like the personal training, sports, athletic therapy type idea. So it's a little bit of a culture shock for him to go. Oh, I really want to work with these people, but you know, I want to become a doctor as well. Um, yeah, but I, I'm interested to get your thoughts about. Um, Tim and I both probably want to get your thoughts about kind of chiropractic as a whole. And when you were in school, do you think there's something now that you're working, 
do you think there was stuff that like you guys shouldn't be learning anymore or is anything that you would have changed about the chiropractic schooling or the profession in general yeah so the one thing i think that's that's good for people to know um so all chiropractic colleges are um independent right they're not government funded yeah um chiropractic as a whole is is governed by governing bodies who are audited by you know like the the ministry of health and everything um but each each chiropractic college has slightly different curriculum right right? there there's probably stuff that i learned that did i have to learn no um we have a chiropractic philosophy course right um that is still beneficial i think because you learn even you learn so some outdated techniques okay like in a general sense but it's good to know those because you might have patients that come to you that have you know that say i've had this therapy before right you know and it's not really taught in the curriculum now but you have some knowledge of why it was used or when it, you know what it was used for um and then you kind of get a sense of what kind of treatment they had in the past and then how you can modify that to to create a treatment plan using your evidence your techniques to create you know a similar effect yeah right um so there definitely is a some things that you know i I didn't i won't use per se but it's still you know knowledge is power it's still good to know because you might it might be useful in some sort of patient related interaction down the road nice um but yeah they we (laughs) there's one course um chiropractic philosophy where you do learn about the origins of the profession um how it started um and and kind of up from there um you know the, the the lifespan of chiropractic as a whole so could you could you give us like a reader's digest version of like what that course was? I'm I'm interested in like how did it start? Why did we start trying to like crack bones as it were? Yeah, so and that's that's kind of how it started out and how it was perceived for a long time, right? Cracking, yeah, cracking yeah, yeah, bones. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so it was um, BJ Palmer. Um, they started, you know, a model of of adjusting the segments of the spine to kind of rid the body of subluxations um which is a it was it's a chiropractic historic chiropractic term that is still sometimes used by certain practitioners um but basically it's like an interference of the nervous system okay so you're adjusting these segments of the spine to rid the body of these interferences so that the nervous system can run freely innervating the muscles the organs of the body right right and then as you know 100 years later i'm not sure the timeline exactly but it's 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 the evidence has developed you know exponentially um but that's how it kind of all started um bj palmer started a college and uh that was the birth of the chiropractic profession nice yeah makes sense it's funny i i have patients all the time that come in and they go i just needed to crack i just need to pop i just need to whatever word you can put there and i get that feeling like i understand it because there's a spot on my back that i want someone just like it honestly couldn't feel more like there's a rib out and if someone just pushed it back into place i'd be good to go 
and it would be the best feeling ever. So I completely understand why like chiropractic is so appealing and like why you'd want to see one. And it seems so like quick. It's like that. It's almost like that magic pill. It's that shot. It's that one thing that's going to make you fixed. And I'm sure you can attest to this. That's not how it is. And it's unfortunately so. If that was the case, you wouldn't charge what you charge. You'd charge 10 times more and you'd be driving a Ferrari to the Moda Studio. You know, not whatever you're driving now. I'm not saying <laughs> not you my Honda Elantra. <laughs> that hot rod Honda, baby. Hot rod Honda, baby. But um, yeah, so it's, it's one of those things where it does sound super appealing. What can you tell us about? Because Tyler gave us his thought about like what an adjustment really does and like why you'd use it when you would use it. What's your philosophy around that? Because obviously yeah. the stereotype or the generalization would be, I'm going to go in, they're going to put me back together like a puzzle, they're going to crack my bones, yeah. all the words you can think yeah. of. Yeah. Can put my rib you? back in. Yeah. That's the best one. Absolutely. My rib is out. <laughs> yeah. My ribs are out. My, my neck is out. I put my rib back I get in. That. It was yeah. out, now it's yeah. in. My disc is moved to the left two millimeters. <laughs> well, right. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Back in spin. Yeah. Yeah. So can you run us through like your thoughts? I'm sure you can rant forever. So like, what's your thoughts yeah. on like how yeah. do you approach it and how do you uh, make it digestible to someone? How do you tell them what it what's what's really going on? What's your theory? Yeah. So I mean, the unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, you know I I get a lot of patients that come in and say. You know, I saw this. Some even pull up on their phone. I saw this YouTube video. Oh, this chiropractor is oh, just ring you know, dinger. Yeah, ring dinger. No. his neck, and they're they're <sighs> they're pulling it. You know, as fast and as far as they can in the that other direction. Me so much. Right. So, <laughs> it's yeah. It's not necessarily a, as specific adjustment as as one might like, but people see these things and they and they want. Yeah. Right. They're like that looks so relieving. Like yeah. yeah. Or they'll they'll even try. You know, they'll they'll admit to you know I tried this adjustment with my buddy. He you know got up on the bench there and jumped on my back and you know i, I feel great <laughs> I, I even had a guy that used to do a uh, form of martial arts and he said i used to see a chiropractor now i jump up and land on my back on a mat and i hear a bunch of pops and i feel great so i don't go to a chiropractor anymore oh so my God. I, i've heard i've heard everything <laughs> everything there is to hear about it um but the 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 most important concept <laughs> can we just stop you there <laughs> yeah that guy that you're talking about Hashtag self-efficacy right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Taking control of his health. And being yeah, like, yeah, yeah, man, you're doing it on I'm your own. take this in my own hands. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, I mean, so yeah, I mean, That's it's hilarious. not necessarily a bad thing if he, totally, thinks, yeah. if he it's thinks he's getting but, better and yeah. if he is feeling better, then I mean... Hey. Right. That's what we're after. So, yeah. Um, but it's not the, the be-all, end-all of, of chiropractic care. A lot of people will come in thinking, you know, we're, you know, we're kind of self-proclaimed experts of the spine or MSK injuries. Um, but people think one that all we do is adjust or crack, right. you know, yeah. vertebrae of the spine, yeah. or that all we do is is deal with the spine, and you know we'll deal with other sports related injuries or whatever injuries regarding the extremities and other right. other joints, muscles, nerves, etc. Um, but the chiropractic adjustment is not um, the be all end all of of chiropractic care. Right. Um, it's used as one one tool in a in a list of of other modalities right so it's it's used for you know uh, you'll you'll take in patient condition um you know previous previous experience with a chiropractor uh patient preference evidence um what you know for certain things okay for for discogenic low back pain the you know spinal manipulation is a researched and proven 
um, treatment for that condition or you know cervical uh, just your general cervical strain sprain type injury yeah. uh, cervicogenic headaches you know we have studies now supporting the use of spinal manipulation for those conditions but is that is that you know do people come in you know crack their neck and you know see you next tuesday yeah no they're you know it's we might incorporate some soft tissue i might incorporate acupuncture for certain types of headaches now um you know it it, it all depends yeah. and it's just one aspect of care that i use in conjunction with all these other tools nice yeah, yeah. you think Would that's like where the uh like kind of what you described is some level of overlap into like physio style treatments Right, like moving away from just like spine centric and being like, all right, we can do some of the similar stuff as like what a physio would do. Yep. And you start to kind of blend those worlds together. I th I think there's which is a good thing, right? Yeah. You nowadays, can make that sound like, oh, what am I useful for now? It's like, no, no, chiropractor is still a label. Physio is just a label. Yeah. But like it's all. Yeah. But like we're all trying to get people healthy in our own. Absolutely. Version, absolutely. Right? In terms of, I mean, in terms of what I think I excel in too is the diagnosis aspect, right? Okay. Studying radiographs, being able to really get into the nitty gritty. Taking people through, or you know, range of motion testing, <coughs> orthopedic tests, mm -hmm. um, you know, history, and really coming up with a with a concrete list of differentials. That's you know, as a chiropractor, that's what I think I excel at. Okay. Um, a lot of, in terms of, of treatment, I mean, there's a lot of overlap nowadays with physiotherapists, right. yeah. with massage, yeah. um, within my clinics. We have, you know, I, I do collaborate care with with massage, mm -hmm. with physios, with naturopaths. Mm -hmm. I work in two multidisciplinary clinics, and sometimes, you know, the I'll be treating a patient with neck pain, but she's also getting acupuncture with our naturopath um, for you know uh, um, the same or or different issue. So um, there is a lot, especially with the transfer of information nowadays. It's you know you can learn a lot of you know exercise. Um, rehab protocols, stuff like that through Instagram, YouTube, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, podcasts like this. Like you can learn, there's so much exchange of information nowadays that there is a, a more growing overlap. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's because people are, are moving to that evidence-based style of care where it's just like, well, if this works, doesn't That's matter, what, I was doesn't matter what profession I was going to say it's a good this thing because you can make it sound like yeah. we're becoming more like them or they're becoming like us no, and now really we're becoming matter. the same thing. Yeah. It's like maybe that's a sign of a good thing. You kind of alluded to it where yeah. you're like ultimately if you're following the evidence along with like your empirical just observation collectively, it's like you're going to hopefully arrive to the same conclusions, yeah. right? Like, And that's why there's also kind of a, a, a criticism that I've seen as well with uh, uh, physios and chiros where it's like they're all just becoming glorified personal trainers glorified strength coaches because they're getting them to lift weights now yeah it's like no let's <laughs> yeah well, like you can call them whatever you want we're, we're damned if like, we do and we're damned if we don't yeah right? that's so it right like, and it's like and uh i think give respect where respect is due to it's like they still went through certain uh, uh uh studies and schooling that like gives them expertise on certain things yeah so like you know they're not just a certified personal trainer they do have expertise in these other areas so it's like great if you know i mean i think it just shows that they're not willing to pigeonhole themselves into like well i'm just a i ju I, I treat the spine and you know uh, giving you a glorified hug will help relieve your nerves of all these when your headaches will be gone it's like yeah. no no like other patients might need other stuff here you know like yeah people probably need to get moving and if yeah. that's what it takes then like that's what i need to do here yeah you know? I mean, like, that's my perfect world is that like 
we are all sort of doing well there there's going to be one type of manual therapy and that's it at some point yeah you're going to go to school for six years learn everything there is to know we're going to have it a little bit more down to a science hopefully that's my perfect world we're like no they're all we're all doing like yeah maybe some range of motion stuff maybe a little bit of stretching but like we're going to get everyone stronger we're going to get them lifting weights we're going to get them more self uh, efficient so we're going to teach them kind of a little bit of pain education like because i always say to anyone that's like who should i go see is it a bone thing tyler and i'm like you're asking if you should see a chiropractor instead of whatever and they go yeah and i'm like it's all the different roads to the same point that's it so whatever road you like to take take the most scenic one you want but it's still going to get you to the point where like there's a goal decreasing pain i imagine and increasing yeah. some sort of function i imagine yes yeah. all of my patients so you can correct me if i'm wrong there but that's a perfect world so i think it's good that like i like seeing someone like you got this kind of coming down because you could have just learned like just do adjustments and you could like pigeonhole yourself and i'm sure you'd make a ton of money doing so but now you're like yeah but like you know consulting the evidence and you know, this empirical data that i have as well in my my own observations yeah. it makes you more like broader i don't actually like that it's it should be way more broad than it is specific because like you said like you're it's very specific diagnoses with everyone. Like you're trying to figure out maybe exactly where it's coming from, what's going on there. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm always I'm always baffled when I when patients come in and they say, you know, well, I'm seeing this practitioner, you know, insert whatever profession they're seeing, and they said that I can't, I can no longer come see you, and I'm I'm, and that happens all the time, yeah. and I'm kind of baffled because, I, what I kind of preach is, and what I think more practitioners are preaching is that circle of care right um again we all have well not those people the ones you're talking about right yeah people tell <laughs> me these not, ones. not to come yeah, yeah. <laughs> like stop going to see that guy yeah, yeah right so it's like at the end of the day we're we all should be trying to reach that same goal and whatever if someone is have you know going to see someone and they're getting results i'm like great all the power to you right um yeah, and, and hopefully, I mean, in an ideal world, we don't have those occasions yeah. where people are trying to hoard p patients and yeah, right. and you know and you know take advantage of them from a practice management perspective, but yeah. trying to instead work with other healthcare professionals. Yeah. And the one thing I will say was the, well, the one um, topic I, I really appreciated at CMCC was that we we were really taught how to collaborate with other professions nice. you know for each in our residency we had to create a a doctor's letter or some referral type letter it could have been to a letter to a personal trainer i've i've even in practice already you know someone's going to a you know a strength and conditioning studio similar to to here and you know the trainer says okay this is this is my training program this is how he's been responding and i'll respond back and i'm like that's great and you oh, know good. teaching yeah, us how to nice. write good efficient um letters with mds trying to get some of the same lingo down so mm -hmm. there has previously been some different vocabulary between chiropractors and medical doctors but trying to get down you know vocabulary that everyone understands certain types of back pain certain types of symptoms um, that you can really convey your message to an MD in a, you know, intelligent, concise way so that it hopefully is bridging that gap between medical doctors specifically and, and chiropractors. Because yeah. that's, 
that has historically been there's kind of you know MDs and chiropractors that yeah. butt heads as you guys yeah. probably and may. MDs and naturopaths yeah, yeah. They, they may you know they, but if you can put your best foot forward and come up yeah. with a, an intelligent and concise doctor's letter mm. you know bringing to light your diagnosis your treatment plan your prognosis um, you know their your results from your history and physical then I mean how, how can someone you know not appreciate that yeah. when you're reaching out and, and just trying to give them the, the most the best information about a patient's condition as you yeah. possibly can. Well, well, and I think it's like you're, you, like you said, it's like you, hopefully they give you a chance, the other healthcare practitioner. They need, you, you're hoping they'll do that. But you're doing your job as far as like showing them that like, okay, I have this uh, label, but I'm also uh, taking, I'm changing, I'm evolving, I'm learning, hopefully you are too. Um, and you might have this idea of my profession, but how I operate may be slightly different than what you think. So let me show you that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, a lot of people have, whether correct or not, they have these generalized uh, assumptions of certain professions. And that's the problem, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it's like, and uh, I don't think they're always misfounded. I think like a lot of people have had bad uh, uh, experiences with chiros, with naturopaths, and then they go, well, of course, like they're all like that. That's that doesn't logically make sense, but that's just what humans do, right? So it's like, okay, I can understand why they would think that. So yeah. it's like, if you can prove them wrong and look at like like what you're kind of describing, yeah. right? It's like, okay, yeah. I understand why they think that. They've had some bad experiences here. I'm going to show them that like, like maybe the professions change, but I also operate differently. So let me show you how I'm going to operate. We can work together here. You know what you may have experienced in the past isn't what you're going to experience yeah. now. Yeah, I had, a, yeah. I had a consultation yesterday where the patient flat out said, "Yeah, I've been to a chiropractor before, didn't have a good experience." Yeah. Um, but you know, I saw your your Instagram page, and I'm curious to you know give it another shot, see what cool. see what you're all about. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing for people to understand is that you know at the end of the day, we're all just people. There's 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 good motivated. MDs, physios, chiros, you know, massage therapists, and there's some not so, Mm -hmm. so, you know, great ones. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes it's just more of, yeah, the person Mm -hmm. and not the profession. Well, I mean, even you could even flip it right now. And like, there's a, there's kind of a a culture right now, which I I don't think is helpful, which is like anti-MD, which is like, oh, doctors suck. Avoid your doctor. Doctor, like, don't believe your doctor on anything nutrition. Don't believe your doctor on anything musculoskeletal, like all that stuff. And there's a reason why they think that. So it's like you can apply the same thing. It's like, okay, I understand why they don't get a lot of training maybe in regards to that or they don't get a lot of experience with that. And maybe some are bad at referring out in those situations or whatever it is, right? Um, But like, for instance, my doctor is great. He's a young guy. He's only a couple years older than me. And uh, he he does exactly what he's supposed to do. Like he rules out all the red flags that are within his scope. Anything that's questionable, refer out, refer out, refer out. And he... He knows where he wants to go with that. He takes all of my requests seriously. And he's expressed that, like, if you're working working with a naturopath, cool, I'll work with her. You're working with a who, whatever, yeah. I'll work with her. You're yeah. working, you know? So. The important thing is to, to realize, yeah, we're on the same team. Like, I called an MD yesterday. And mm-hmm. it was just like, yeah, the patient was coming in with suspected, like, lumbar stenosis. And, and, you know, she had looked at the radiographs. And I was like, oh, this is great. Like, you know, send those my way. I'd like to take a look at them, not to uh-huh. not to correct you or yeah, say yeah. something is wrong, but sure. just to, just to bounce ideas off each other. Yeah. Like that's what interprofessional collaboration is supposed to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, right. It's just like doing doing rounds within your unit at a you know at a hospital or a clinic. Right. You're talking uh-huh. about a patient's <clears throat> case and bouncing different ideas off someone that has 
a little bit of different clinical view on things. So, um, yeah, just understanding that, yeah, you're not, it's not me versus you. It's like, let's collaborate and try to come to a consensus on what's going on with this patient. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Every time, I think I've said it before on the podcast, but every time I get a doctor's note from a, you know, person, uh, the doctor's note always says, I don't know if like, this is the standard that they should write. Uh, recommended massage therapy for ongoing musculoskeletal issues. That's it. Every single time I've gotten a doctor's referral. Or it's like right shoulder pain. So RGH pain. That's it. Like it's a big piece of paper. They could write so much stuff on it. And it's one little thing that I'm like, cool, that person was going to tell me anyways. Or it was just recommend massage therapy for treatment of ongoing musculoskeletal issues. And I go, sweet. Don't know why you needed this. It's mostly benefit uh, insurance companies, which is a huge bummer. That's your your really point cool. is that that that's so uh, like concise with no information. That's yeah. what you're and getting then, at. Well, yeah. my point was like when you guys were talking about uh, yeah. you know doctors not liking chiropractors and naturopaths, not wanting to work with other professionals because they have this weird like <laughs> holier than thou this god complex, and then they give out referrals that just say like get massage, and I'm like, why do they need you? Why do they need you to say that? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. So it's just like, yeah, they should look at us differently as we should look at them differently as well. So, you know, finding a doctor that's kind of like Tim's doctor that wants to work with people and like finding someone like you, Kyle, that you want to work with their healthcare professional of any other kind. So like, I love hearing what the naturopath of my patient is saying and I love to hear what the chiropractor wants and I like to work with them and be like, what is their goals? Does it fit with mine and how can I fit in there uh, and how do I think they can fit in there more you know do I think some physios can do a little bit less manual therapy because I'll be doing it and then the physio can go cool like I'll just make them exercise more do some sort of like progressive overload because yeah. they don't want to do it when they're getting a massage or it's the other way around where like they want to just compare it to physio and come work out with me so it's like it's not putting yourself into a box like I like when people come in and they go you're different than any other massage therapist I've ever had. And I go, yep, that's exactly what I want to be. Um, and I like that that's kind of yours too. You're like, yeah, I'm not I'm not just a chiropractor. I am a chiropractor, but like, I'm not the generalization of a chiropractor. So I think nice everybody that. has to do that to a degree too, right? Or yeah. everybody that realizes what we're talking about, unless they conform to like uh, the... Uh, like the popular idea of what their profession is, the stereotypical one. It's like, even I have to do that to a degree with personal training where I'm like, some people have an idea of what I do. And then I'm like, yeah, I don't do that. And they're like, okay. What do you I'm mean like, I don't do jumping jacks and burpees for... Are you going to make me do 100 rounds? burpees till I puke? I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and I'm like, oh great. I'm like, I can tell them that like, no, you're probably actually going to enjoy training. They're like, what? <laughs> this is probably going to be fun. What? Yeah. You know, they have a ton of different ideas like when people come to see you or they've, and based on who they've had, you know, I've had lots of people that have had great experiences with trainers in the past and then people that are like, yeah, my trainer is very different than you. Yeah. How he communicated uh, and how he programmed everything, right? Yeah. How he just offered his services, period. So yeah. it's quite different. But it's like, yeah, I'm still a personal trainer. That's what I am. It's just, that's the name. <laughs> uh, let's completely switch. Let's completely turn this podcast around right now. Okay. I... I'm gonna tell you guys a story. I did a course. I love story time with Uncle Ty. It's the best. Gather around, <laughs> Let's children. Let's hear it. Uh, let me put on my speaking voice. Uh, I did a course, and it was a rock blades course, so a uh, instrument assisted soft tissue manipulation yeah, course. Yeah. 
the good thing about it that it wasn't like a Graston where like the, you get big red marks. Like when I do it to people, yeah. there's no red marks. I don't really use it a ton now because it just doesn't really make sense. Like all the stuff I like looked more into and it's just kind of all BS. It's really flashy. Um, but the guy goes, everyone try to touch their hands, like try to touch their hands to the ground. Like everyone tried to do like the classic hamstring stretch, the test of flexibility that everyone does. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was a foot off the ground. My fingertips were a foot away from the ground. Everyone partnered up and he goes, scratch the back of your partner's head for 30 seconds. Like, shh, like really like aggressively kind of scratch the person's head. And he's like, now touch your toes. And then everyone could like go a few inches farther. And everyone was like, oh my God, everyone was mind blown. And the guy goes, biohacking. And then just like, you might as well have dropped the mic. It's hilarious. And I'm like, so uh, that's my that's my only experience with biohacking. So I want to talk to you about biohacking, Kyle, because you said that's you're not into my it. understanding of biohacking. Is that yours? Uh, that's just my. I mean, only I guess experience. it could yeah, be right. Just, I guess it could yeah. be based on the definition. He said he was hacking the yeah. nervous system. Well, most right. people who use the term biohacking are talking about supplements or some type of psychoactive. It, it, it's a pretty right. broad term. So it could, you're hacking your biology to, to increase like human performance. Right. So, right. I mean, you know, don't quote me on that, but it's, yeah, yeah. it's no, something along those lines. It could be, so I mean, it could be supplements it, like, or, but it could also be as simple as, um, you know, going to sleep and waking up at the same time every day. Okay. You know, it could, it could be behavioral. It could be. You know, it, you know, all all facets of life, um, it could incorporate. So right. I don't think it's a pretty broad definition. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's what's what's cool about it is you you can impact all these different little areas of your life to hopefully create a more a higher functional human being. Yeah. So I gotta I gotta ask you though, did you get interested in biohacking from Dave Asprey? How did you know? <laughs> I'm not so, a fan of that guy. Uh, yes and no. Oh, okay. Um, I You're have, already interested. I have read. I have read some of his books. There's also uh, like some of the sleep stuff. For instance, like uh, Matthew Walker. He's yeah, been okay. on Joe Rogan. Yeah. He talks a lot People about sleep. People love that guy. Eh? Yeah. He put out some good stuff. He's a really good speaker. Yeah. He's a really good, good speaker. And, yeah, yeah. He'll talk about everything. Like, yeah, <laughs> you get two less hours of sleep in the night. Like your testosterone levels will, you know will drop to that of someone 10 years your senior or sure. you know the 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 myth of sleep debt and trying to catch up yeah like you can't do that you can't bank hours of sleep like yeah. he, all this all this really like cool neat science about sleep right and it's mm -hmm. like stuff that not you know previously a lot, not a lot of people have talked about but right. it's it can have profound impacts on our life like how we sleep for like a third of our life yeah so if you're sleeping yeah. more efficiently if you're getting better quality better duration of sleep then you're going to perform better yeah right? well and so. then and then not even just human optimization which is like one thing and then general health which is like the other thing right those aren't the same thing so it's like even just like as far as just aging gracefully right like be like yeah. getting your sleep in chronically being underslept is putting you at risk for a laundry list of not just neurodegenerative diseases, but like, you know, other like obesity related issues and oh, yeah. uh, metabolic issues. So it's like yeah. Yeah. huge problem there. Well, it's like stress, right? Like stress, yeah. what does stress not affect? Like, yeah. Um, and sleep is the same way because well, sleep will impact your yeah. stress, Yeah. right? Um, 
and yeah, recovery, um, in terms like cognitive recovery, yeah, uh, you know, physical recovery, mm-hmm. um, all those, all those aspects that it's going to affect. So that like things like that were were pretty interesting. It's 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 funny you bring up Dave Asprey. He he's done a good job of of bringing biohacking to light for a lot of people. Um, he's, great, a, he's a brilliant. Marketer. He's a great marketer, right? Yeah. Bulletproof diet. Yeah. He's the creator of the bulletproof diet, and and that that blew up, right? Yeah. Who, you know, a lot of people were trying to let's put you know organic grass fed butter in my, you know, <laughs> yeah, expensive coffee beans and blend it together, and, and you know I'm gonna feel amazing. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. So the, the beef I have with him is that a lot of even though I've read some of his books, and a lot of the things he promotes, he he also it's kind of conflicting <laughs> yeah. because he also has he like shares all. in all those companies <laughs> yeah. that he's promoting so it's it's like like it's basically like two books of come buy my products but yeah right um, <laughs> but some of this the science um is or even some of the the general ideas are still yeah. are still there and, and sure. he, he's brought some of those to light um which uh which is interesting so for better or worse. I mean, I guess like based on what, just going back to like what your definition was before too, like biohacking would include something like just improving sleep hygiene. Right? Yes. What you're saying. So it's yep. like, yep. it's just the terms you're using, but like, yeah, like improve sleep hygiene. It's like cool. You're, I guess that's where biohacking is kind of like a weird, it is kind of a buzzword. Cause it's like, are you hacking your biology or are you just like doing what you're supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like well, you're, you're like, you're just yeah, doing, well, there's no hacking going on. You're just doing what you're supposed to do like that's yeah, why the know. word hacking is like it's misleading to me i'm like are you like, to, yeah. like if you're sleeping six hours a day you're hijacking the other one is just your baseline which is like eight hours sleep 10 to 6 a.m something normal whatever normal is yeah it's like yeah that's that's not biohacking that's normal that's what you're supposed to do the other way is just now you've been hijacked now it's the opposite like you're yeah. something's off now so the yes so what I've what I've what I got from like Matthew Walker is that he was a big um, proponent of getting your eight hours of sleep. Um, and Dave Asprey's latest book, Superhuman, he talks about how he can get the same the same benefit mm-hmm. of of sleep with only six hours or like six and a half hours. Mm. And so in that sense, you can hack your sleep by increasing the amount of like deep like REM sleep with you know he advertises certain apps on your phone or you know things that emit you know certain wavelengths of of sound Mm -hmm. that will increase your REM sleep while you sleep so you can sleep for a shorter amount of time but it's better quality sleep so in that sense that's more of a kind of I guess like a hacking if um, it's true example if it's true he's like he's probably using things that are like like how quantifiable is your quality that he's using, right? So Again, yeah. Especially he, if he's selling the supplements, he's gonna use stuff that's gonna show that it's yeah. like, it's improved based yeah. on this graph. He 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 discloses a lot of the time that he'll yeah he'll he's invested in certain certain companies. Yeah. He also does disclose at the beginning of the book that not all of these things have been full like haven't gone fully through, through clinical the trials. Yeah. But he's like, but you know, I don't I don't have. 40 years to wait to try to do these things right um the other the other issue there is that a lot of the things he does as well is is not really accessible to the average person you know not all of us have you know ten thousand dollars to do stem cell injections in our knees and elbows and shoulders every (laughs) every six months um things like that so 
some of the stuff is kind of out in left field, mm -hmm. but there's also some inexpensive stuff that I think a lot of people, Dave Asprey or, or Matthew Walker or other quote-unquote biohackers are starting to c catch up on. And whether it's hacking it or just right. doing what we're supposed to be doing. Right, right. Have but that's the thing. Who knows really what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Have well, you put anything into practice? And like, is there any practical application that you've kind of came across that you're like, oh, I tried that and it does make me feel whatever metric better? Um, so some of the sleep hygiene stuff, um, like getting blackout curtains, making sure you're sleeping. I was going to say blackout drunk, but yeah. <laughs> drink blackout drunk. Yeah, blackout no, drunk. actually when yeah. you drink, although you <laughs> fall asleep right. quicker, <laughs> yeah. it's not good quality sleep. Same with marijuana. Same with marijuana. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I oh, I sleep so good when I smoke. It's like, no, no you, you feel fall like asleep. Tangent. Yeah. That goes to show also, yeah. sorry, bookmark that. It's like. That goes to show also how how like unreliable our subjective ratings are. So you can't just go like it works for me, I feel good. Cuz Matthew yeah. Walker just explained. Okay, you get stoned, you fall asleep, you think you sleep great. Well, I'm telling you you don't. You're wrong. Yeah. Sorry, you're wrong. So yeah. it's like that just goes to show like you can apply that across many other aspects where it's like I don't know, I just feel better. It's like okay, great. I'm happy for you, you feel better. But just so you know what's happening may not be happening. Like you you know, your subjective ratings are not reliable. No, you know, so I was just going to say that since yeah. um, marijuana has become legal in Canada, the amount of people disclosing like patients disclosing that they use it for like sleep aid or oh, pain, okay. mm -hmm. it's just exploded. Now, everyone and their sister are coming in saying, yeah, I use, you know, I use marijuana, uh, you know, I smoke marijuana before yeah. bed or I use, you know, a roll on CBD thing for, you know, <clears throat> elbow pain, my tennis yeah. elbow, um, you know, it's just kind of exploded. But again like like you said sometimes those subjective measures aren't aren't there um but yeah again when you when you're using those you know sleep aids to fall asleep you're actually cutting down on the quality of sleep you're getting and then when you wake up you might not be able to fall back asleep so right again it's not uh you know you think oh because you you know you you fell asleep that it's better but again mm -hmm. there's there's other metrics there that are hard to hard to measure mm -hmm. but now i guess they're, they're developing certain certain devices certain rings smartwatches stuff like that that can measure rem sleep yeah. um that can actually even you know record you snoring mm -hmm. um because snoring in itself i guess is a, right. as a as a risk factor for obviously things like sleep apnea yeah. which then are a risk factor for cardiovascular disease, you know, yeah. brain fog, er, like everything, yeah. the list goes on and on, yeah. right? And then you go back into stress yeah. and, and everything else. Yeah. But um, have you messed around with any um, supplements? For I, I, after that was the area that I was interested in a few years ago. Yeah. So magnesium um, has been a kind of a, a hot one lately for just like um, calming the nervous system. Some people will use it for like muscle cramps. Some people yeah. use it for just calming the nervous system and, and for stress-related reasons, like before bed. Mm. Um, so people will tend to use it before bed or in the morning. Um, I've used it. Again, you gotta. A lot of people will use it for like a week, and they'll be like, "Oh, well, this didn't do anything." Um, <laughs> but you, yeah, you have to. You have to be. You have to give it its, its fair share, right? Just like with any rehab trial, you can't just do, you know, one one workout and expect to be Arnold Schwarzenegger you got to give it it's it's time to actually work through your body and get that long-term effect mm -hmm. um, but I've tried that I tried melatonin um, I found with melatonin I fell asleep right away but then I'd like wake up in the middle of the night and I was like wide awake 
Really? So I was like, ah, it's not like maybe, maybe just exposing myself to more natural light in the morning and afternoon would be better, right? Because that's what actually helps that natural sunlight helps create those, you know, that melatonin stores for later. The research does show that like melatonin has no effect on sleep. Uh, Quality? Yeah. Like once you're asleep, it's all about sleep latency. That's it. Like melatonin helps you get to sleep earlier. That is it. So it has no effect yeah. afterwards. Oh, well, and that's... Yeah, so yeah. there you go. And I didn't know... Maybe, now, here's so. the thing. Maybe, I know that there's options out there for, like, time-released melatonin and stuff, so there may be a slightly different effect there. But if you're just taking, like, a normal melatonin before bed or whatever. And also, are you aware of the podcast Smart Drug Smarts? No. If you're into this stuff, you should listen to it. It's all, yeah. like, really evidence-based stuff on supplements and this type of thing. And uh, it's really interesting. I haven't listened to it in a while, but that's where... Uh, the host had on the guy who found melatonin. It's released by the pituitary or pineal. One of those. One of those. One of those pea glands. Yeah. Those glands. And so he was the one who found that out and was like, "Oh, this is we're going to name it melatonin or whatever, right?" And figured that out. He got into like figuring out like, okay, what based on this, like the physiology, then like what is the correct dosage, all this stuff. Um, cause the common dosage is, this is just like something interesting as an aside a bit on melatonin is like, they're all like three, five, 10 milligrams, like super commonly, right? It's like three, five and 10 yeah, are like yeah. the most common. Um, he was on this podcast saying that that is way too much. Three milligrams is blowing your pineal gland out. <laughs> that's what? not, that's not good language to use, but he said it's like way too much. Um, so he said the reason for that is because of however the regulations work. Uh, someone started selling three milligrams, something to do with the regulations. Like the first company came out, sold a three milligram tablet. Every other company just copied it because that's how they always did it. That's the only reason we have three, five, and tens. Everyone did it that yeah. way. Yeah. He's saying the correct dosage is between one and three micrograms. So if you take, when I've taken melatonin, it's in a dropper, liquid dropper, okay. underneath the tongue. And each drop is one, uh, 100 microgram. So, or yeah, so one to 300 micrograms is what he recommended. Uh, each drop is one to 300. So I would take anywhere from one to three drops usually. And I got like similar effects as I would have, if I'd taken, I've taken up to 20 milligrams before. So it was like, it's like, yeah, no different. So I was like, yeah, you could take yeah. a way lighter dose. It's interesting though. He was very outspoken about like, no one should be taking three milligrams mel- uh, melatonin. Yes. Like that's what's that's what's over the counter right there's now. A, like every a, supplement, a lot of confusion out with supplements too, and and um, like how much, and also the quality too. Like if you mm-hmm. there's you know uh, magnesium uh, like citrate, you know, mal- yeah, yeah or or yeah oxide, oxide. or magnesium like bisglycinate. Like there's there's different types and purities yeah. of these these compounds some mm-hmm. that are more bioavailable like if you go you know to costco and get your kirkland omega-3s mm-hmm. you know it there are omega-3s that are you know have a certain chemical compound that, fish you, that you and, only yeah. get you only get a certain you only actually will digest a certain percentage of it right. whereas you get you know you get another liquid form of omega-3s uh-huh. Um, and it's way more bioavailable. Mm-hmm. So it has, you can take less mm-hmm. for the same effect. And it's amazing how many people aren't aware of that, right? Like it's pretty, magnesium has been pretty popular for a while now. So I think like, 
everybody most people are pretty aware that i've heard about magnesium they'll be like oh don't take too much you'll shit your pants like most people say, right? <laughs> oh yeah and they've told me that when i've been like oh because uh sometimes i'll i'll have time i'm currently taking uh three to four hundred milligrams before bed right now and i'll go through phases where i take it and don't take it and i just try and uh take notes and pay attention to what's going on see if i can uh notice anything right because i, I want to notice something if i don't then i change yeah. things right and uh so when I've said, I've had numerous people be like, oh, don't take too much or whatever, right? And I'm like, when someone says that, I know that they don't understand forms because the form I take will not give you the shits. You would probably die before you, like the, the side effects would be yeah, like yeah. like an issue with like your heart arrhythmia or something before actually your bowels becoming loose. You know, yeah. like magnesium citrate <laughs> or oxide or something would be a form that would do that. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, other ones like malate or glycinate don't, wouldn't do that uh until very high doses so it's like so, but I, it's just me to say like i think a lot of people don't know that right it's like there's different forms there's different bioavailability levels in these different forms and then yeah. dosage on top of that yeah. right like that was a problem in the supplement industry when i worked at popeyes that's a super big problem with like a lot of these supplements is pre-workouts is a perfect one because uh as far as pre-workout nutrition goes and pre-workout supplementation within that like there's a lot of evidence-based strategies that you can take to help yourself a little bit, uh, potentially before your workout, right? As far as performance goes yeah. with supplements, um, that all depends on bioavailability and dosage, among other factors. And a lot of these like uh, proprietary blended pre-workouts, you know, they're they're sprinkling in things like beta alanine, citrulline malate. Um, and uh, any other like nootropics, uh, like acetyl, uh, I don't know, acetyl uh, and acetyl cysteine, all these different choline, yeah. all those different ones that help with like uh, cognitive function and things like that. And then they just dump in a shit ton of caffeine, right? And then yeah. they say that it's going to help with all these other things that these, you know, those, the former uh, uh, compounds that I just mentioned have been shown to improve but they're like, they're not putting in a therapeutic dose, like a, a dose that's high enough to actually make those yeah. effects happen. But the consumer doesn't know that. No. They just think like, oh, yeah. there's citrulline in here. And I'm like, oh, well, did you know that you need like at least three grams of citrulline to see an effect? And they're like, oh, well, it says there's 500 milligrams in here. I'm like, yeah, there's no point. Your Citrulline isn't cheap either. So it's like they're sprinkling in 500 milligrams saying that you're going to get an awesome pump because there's citrulline in there and you've been told that it gets good pumps, but at what dose? You know, and you're paying for citrulline in there and I don't know. That's like a problem with every it's, supplement. It's like, well, it, it, just supplementing in general. Like I find when you're, especially when you're taking like a cocktail of supplements, like yeah. if, so if you're taking your omega-3s, if you're taking your magnesium, if yeah. you're taking, you know, whatever, uh -huh. um, it's, it's hard to say like, well, well, what, what's making what's me doing feel what? better? Right. Like the, what's doing what? Like, too many I, variables at once. Am yeah. I feeling better because of this? Like, you know, I mean, you have to actually do like almost like a, like how you would do an elimination diet, do like yeah. an elimination, like supplement trial right, right like it. see yeah. what's actually making you feel better because you can't necessarily just wake up and you're like oh i took that one that one pill of, of magnesium and i'm you know i feel 100 percent better like it, yeah. you, you never have that so it's hard to kind of determine unless you really do it in a, in a stepwise fashion like what is actually getting you results yeah 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 you know my favorite biohacking is deep breaths for five minutes biohacked done We're good there you go. go you're better now <laughs> yeah so like if everything is like so i think the best like i it's kind of cool to hear the the sleeping biohacking because i don't think anyone needs to be told that sleep is important obviously every human being needs it yeah. the yeah, amount the issue of there isn't knowledge that's the classic like we talked about this yeah. with brian helm it's health behavior change 
People yeah. know they need better sleep, but they're not doing it. Yeah. So that's so yeah, like, if you can give them one very simple thing, yeah, they can buy some supplement for thirty bucks, and maybe it helps them get better sleep, so their quality of life becomes better because everything seems to fall into place when you're more mental, mentally aware. Like you're just like uh, your mental acuity is there, and then your physical performance might go up because again, your mental is better and your physical and you're recovering better. Awesome. So like, I think the buzzword of biohacking might get some like me and. I, I must admit, when I hear that word, I'm like, ah, uh, I wonder what you mean. There's a little bit of like, yeah. what are you hacking? You picture, when yeah. with the word biohacking, you picture like a Dave Asprey, which is like, you picture a guy taking 172 pills a day. He's drinking a ton of grass. He's spending way too much money on like butter in his coffee. And it's like, you're probably stressed out to the max anyway because you work too much. Like you have all these other areas in your life yeah. that you couldn't be yeah. improving for free. Yeah. And it's like- A lot of the things you know, are just- easy stuff you can do like yeah. like yeah. what i was getting into before like with the sleep like the blackout curtains yeah mm-hmm. like making sure it's a you know like shutting off all those little like alarm clocks led lights yeah uh reducing like blue light exposure sure you know two hours before bed um and just minimizing you know, phone time in general yeah just being like okay doing it's some after deep breathing night. meditation like you know reading yeah all those things like just just easy like i i incorporate some of them into my life already like on my iphone going and using the, you know, the night nighttime mode, and I use a oh, program right. called Flux on my computer. Mm-hmm. And like, even when I'm at clinic, as soon as it, even especially in the winter now, it's getting darker early. Mm-hmm. It'll slowly start to phase out the blue light emitted from my computer as the sun goes down, and nice. just little things like best. that. And and you know, again, I haven't, I I haven't kept recorded notes of you know how well my sleep has been improving. Right. Um. But you know, there's enough enough research out out there on you know exposure to blue light now that it's just like it's something that i've kind of i've noticed has helped combated having restless sleeps in the past for a bit so yeah. well and like there's uh going back to like even just like uh um obviously can't put too much stock in this like we were saying before but just your subjective rating of like think about how uncomfortable it is you've done this before like i've done this especially if i'm trying to like edit something later at night on instagram like okay i want to get this post out or something i take off my my nighttime mode so i can see what i'm actually looking at yeah and you let nights are already dimmed in the living room it's dark outside it's nine o'clock my my dimmer's down on my phone with the night mode on and then you flip that on and turn up your brightness you're like ow like it hurts it's uncomfortable it's like yeah so like even just for that like at night i don't want bright lights i just don't like it i love i do that at our house all the time like our main living room lights never on it's like just yeah. small lights enough that you well, can see yeah unfortunately i guess what what uh i've read recently is that you know, a lot more companies to be more energy efficient are using these led lights right, right? which are good they they last longer they use less um, energy, energy but they emit a lot of just blue light and not a lot of the wavelengths that are naturally come from the sun Right. So other more inefficient light bulbs, although they're inefficient, they replicate natural sunlight a little bit better, a little bit more, you know, different wavelengths, incorporate more wavelengths of light yeah. so that it's it's not as, you know, debilitating on you and, and messing up those circadian rhythms. Yeah. Um, so it's it's tough, right? And, and we, the whole time I was reading those Dave Asprey books, it's again, right? There's expense, there's lifestyle, right? Like, there's times I'm reading this like eight hours of sleep and who, if, if you have a, a, you know, a full-time job, a family, kids at home, yeah. um, you know, there's, there's no way you're going to get eight hours of sleep every night. 
It's yeah, just not exactly. possible. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at the again the cocktail of supplements he's taking. There's no way you're you know, people are gonna have stocked these, you know, twenty, thirty, forty supplements you're taking yeah. um all all the time. It's yeah. just not feasible. So finding little things just like going to bed same time every day um you know getting a good ratio of omega-3s and omega-6 fatty acids sure um you know doing high intensity interval training as opposed to you know just moseying from machine to machine just simple things to modify what you're already doing to enhance your function and the benefit you're getting from what you're doing it's funny this is very simply put but if I were to look at biohacking in a different light, we're just trying to get back to the way we used to live. Like, think about all yeah. the stuff we were just talking about. Uh, taking away a little bit of blue light, uh, we have electricity now. So, like, <laughs> otherwise people would just be outside. People would go outside. People didn't have uh, unnatural blue light from phones and stuff because that wasn't a thing until however many years you want to say. Like, we've had electricity for 100 or whatever it is and phones for 30, TV, TVs for 60 so we're just kind of getting rather than the word biohacking it's like we're just getting back to the way that like we were maybe yeah but even then 200 years ago do you think people had restless sleeps probably probably so it's like are we really biohacking so it's it's a cool subject to I, i'm interested in it. i haven't done a ton so i'm not i'm neither criticizing nor uh, trying to say that it's not good or is good yeah yeah but uh, so it's interesting to hear you guys talk about the different like how to perceive these, what can you do. Uh, I'm all about, and I especially want it for the podcast, some sort of uh, practical application. So can we boil down what we just talked about for an hour into like, here's the practical application. Here's like our advice. Can we give as specific of an example as we possibly can? So um, with that said, do you think there's one thing you want to like, actually, this will be the last question. It'll kind of tie it all together. Is there something you would want every single person on this planet to know slash do to make themselves better or make the world better a little bit? So you can even tie in that. You can kind of answer biohacking and your answer for that in general at the same time if you could. Yeah, well, there's there's a lot of a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of information out there. Um, and I did one talk where I just really simplified things down to, and we've all seen those t-shirts, like eat, sleep, train. Right. But it really is that simple. Mm-hmm. Like if you just optimize those three things in your life, it, it, it you know, that's that's going to have profound effects yeah. on, on your quality of life. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'm not going to say like what exactly you should eat, um, but just finding, finding a routine that works for you to optimize quality and quantity of sleep, um, you know, in terms of eating, something that you know you're, you're feeling energized, in, and you're managing a good weight and 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 uh, you know nutrition levels, and then exercise, optimizing what you're doing. You know, if you don't want to spend two hours going from machine to machine, a good life, then trying to incorporate some more you know hit workouts or functional stuff. At like yoga, at Stephen. That's David. That's David. And leave fitness. good life, come to Stafe. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Stafe, for yeah. this podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it, that's 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 kind of what I've I've focused some talks on in the past is just simplifying things down to eat, sleep, train. Um, 
because it really is that easy, right? We're trying to we're we're trying to hack. We're talking about hacking little little you know levels of certain you know minerals or, or biomarkers in our blood, but but really, I mean, we can't. It's it's not feasible for the general population to do that one. Yeah. Um, but just trying to optimize those three things in in trying to provide education to to the general public to optimize those three things. Yeah. Um, is is the key and not just because just to add not just because what I would add those three things are not just more realistic for people like it's doable for almost everybody yeah but it's uh, has the highest ROI as well like the things you were talking about absolutely like like optimizing your magnesium you know there are situations where magnesium can be helpful for some people Uh, I think it's been overstated by a lot of people for sure but it's also like, yeah, you know, it's more significant, like has a way better return on investment for most people is like, just shut your phone off and go to bed an hour earlier than you normally would. Forget the magnesium yeah. for now, add that in later maybe. But like, if you tried just going to bed earlier, yeah. or like yeah. Yeah, yeah, getting off your phone earlier or reading or, yeah. yeah. Or it's like even, you know, I'll go to the gym and guys will be like, oh, I'm gonna go home and crush like three protein shakes. And it's like, or just <laughs> eat like a nice Yeah, just have meal. a dinner. Like, yeah, just, <laughs> just have, your, have your, have your, steak or your chicken or yeah. like whatever like just have your na- yeah. like natural foods yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. have natural foods have a like, shake with it if you want but like yeah have dinner like yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you need to get your protein and yeah the shake is great but like yeah eat they'll, they'll get so caught up in 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 trying to use these supplements that it's like they forget like the you know what the best thing is the best the easiest thing for your body to actually break down and use are foods that our body's been designed to to use for hundreds and thousands of years oh yeah right not yeah. some not some supplement that was created in a lab and shoved down your throat so yeah i think that's like perfect thing to end on i think that's a great like that was just eat sleep train that's a perfect i like those it's uh the kiss method keep it simple stupid method just stop, stop trying to complicate things. Again, instead of the magnesium, go to bed half an hour earlier, maybe. Read a book for five minutes, then go to bed. Absolutely. Take a few deep breaths, meditate for a couple minutes. Absolutely. Yeah, those, they're so easy. It's a couple minutes. They're free. If you can do the free thing, awesome. It's so funny. I'm a terrible businessman, but an ethical massage therapist. And like, <laughs> if I don't need you to come in because I can teach you the ways to do it yourself, why would you pay me now? Which is, again, ethical. And like, I, I want to treat... A million people, not the same 10. I want to treat a million people twice, not, again, the same 10 person, same 10 people, 70 times yeah. in a row. I'd be like, oh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, keep it simple. If it's free, try it first, and then start to pay. Professional, of course. That being said, pay Kyle. Uh, pay Dr. Kyle. Active <laughs> Therapeutic Solutions. Active Therapeutic in Solutions. 12, in and then shift in Fergus. Yes. Cool. Uh, if anyone needs to get a hold of you, how do they go about doing that? Get a membership at Stay Fit, and you can uh, go see him on the deadlift platform because that's where he'll be. That's <laughs> where I like to hang out. I like yeah. my deadlifts. Um, I have an Instagram page at Dr. Kyle Aram. Um, a lot of those deadlift videos will be on there, um, as well as some other program. Yeah, just some some. <laughs> got it. <laughs> Taglines. They they catch on. Yeah, man. Um, and just general health, wellness, uh, and, and usually some like events and just personal stuff in my kind of uh, professional life nice. um, that I include on there. So yeah, that's how you can come yeah. check me out. Cool. Yeah, everything will be in the show notes, of course, naturally. Um, and we'll be posting some stuff as well. And that's pretty much it. Anything else that you want to say there, Dr. Kyle? 
No, I'm just going to go home and uh, crush a few protein shakes. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to go. And get some blackout uh, drunk. I mean, blackout shakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for coming in, man. This yeah, thanks awesome. for having me, guys. And, thanks, uh, man. Looking forward to the next one. All right. You guys enjoy the rest of your week, and uh, welcome in 2020. That's what's up. See you. See you.